This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Great American Scream. My name is Devin Wright. My name is Adam O'Connell. And welcome to this, our 25th episode of The Great American Scream. That's right. We are going to the airport, and we're going to the Hertz booth and renting a car, because we're old enough to rent a car at 25 without any (laughs) fees. I didn't know you had to be 25 to rent a car. Well, you had to be 21, but they make you pay more if you're under 21 because we crash cars more. Okay, that's fair. That's a fair yeah, assessment but, you know. of 21-year-olds. Uh, um, but that's not what... The, this episode is about the trials and tribulations of car rental in the United <laughs> the States. Horrors. Very exciting. You, you know me. I'm already afraid of driving, so I can't imagine driving something that doesn't belong to me. Yeah, um, right? Uh, no, but we are uh, actually talking about a much scarier subject. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Copyright infringement and art theft. Yeah, that's one of the and scariest things I can think of. This time it's not a bit. This time it's not a joke. It's part of it. So uh, this is kind of an interesting thing that we're going to talk about. It's kind of a two-fold topic. Of, we're going to talk about the SCP Foundation. Um, yes. And we're not really going to take a deep dive into like the lore and exactly like the story of it. That's going to be another episode. Um, but we're yeah, going we're to do a little about, bit. Yeah. We're going to talk about how its existence has incited a conversation about creepypasta, copyrights, and what control artists and writers should have over their creations. Like, as two people who write and create things and who make art, um, this is, I think, something that we think a lot about, especially uh, with the tradition of horror and creepypasta being um, shared storytelling and, like, collaborative storytelling. And in the modern, like, digital scape, a lot of media is based on reacting to or commenting on things that other people have created. Like this show very often right. does that very thing. Um, and we always try to make sure we give credit where credit is due and we can. Yeah. And, and the, the genre of horror is also based on a kind of uh, collective storytelling, not only uh, like collaborative storytelling, but uh, progressive storytelling based off similar characters or similar stories, which in the modern world of very strict uh, uh, legislation around intellectual property and copyright, it's a hard topic to breach. Yeah. And we talked a little bit in the episode about creepypasta, about how things uh, like creepypasta achieve an urban legend status and turn into collaborative storytelling, often changing and adding things to the story usually beyond what we would consider as fan art or fan fiction, because these things eventually become part of the common lore and the common knowledge of what this thing is. Um, But this is largely considered to be socially acceptable in creepypasta because the idea is, oh, um, we want to know as much about this creature or story as possible and anything like people can say or like eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts. So, you know, uh, we can. Right. And that's kind of the premise of yeah. something like creepypasta. But however, it's then very easy to take that mindset and apply it to any piece of horror art or scary thing that you see on the internet 
and turn it into this like creatorless monolith uh, or a new yeah. like cryptid creepypasta or SCP that fans can take and make their own. And very often that is not what the creators originally want. Right. And in some ways, you know, a creator doesn't have a choice about how an audience uses said creation. But mm-hmm. when it is being used for further creation, that, yeah, yeah it's, and a, profit. it's a yeah, and profit. Yeah, of course. So um, the greatest enemy of the T-Guest podcast. Yeah. Capitalism. Capitalism. Um, so let's talk about the SCP Foundation first. Um, for sure. Don't know. Uh, the SCP it sounds, stands for Secure, Contain, Protect Foundation. Uh, so it's existent. It's a collaborative fiction project about an organization dedicated to locating and containing entities that, quote, violate natural law, uh, preventing mass panic and allowing humans to live normally. And should these SCPs ever escape containment, they would pose a direct threat to human life or existence. Yeah. Um, if you go to the SCP Wiki, which is an amazing website, uh, you can read the case file of every single canonical SCP and look at pictures, video, art, different stories. Like, really, it's a massive dive with hours and hours and hours of content. Really cool yeah. if you're into, like, original horror monsters and stuff. Yeah, and there's Absolutely a dedicated uh, there's a de- dedicated random SCP button because mm-hmm. they know that that's, like, kind of part of the allure of it. Um, and talking about uh, what we were talking about just a few minutes ago, the uh, it represents a kind of evolution of something like Creepypasta, where it's a actual group of people who said, OK, let's do this together as a named group, which makes it something different than Creepypasta, if you right. if you know what I mean. Um, so some examples of some really cool SCPs is just a couple. Yes. Of, there's literally hundreds. So I just pulled um, a couple of notable examples. Uh, so SCP-55 is something that causes anyone who examines it to forget its characteristics and what it looks like, thus making it indiscernible, except in terms of what it is not. If that oh, makes any sense. So kind of a, kind of a silence from Doctor Who thing, but yeah. a little bit weirder. Like, you, you, as soon as you look at it, you forget what it looks like, but you, you can identify what it isn't, you know? Right, because you've forgotten what it looks like, you know if somebody mentions something and that's, like, you yeah. know that, that it's not that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, SCP-3008 is an Ikea retail store that has an infinite interior space with no outer physical bounds, causing pr- prospective customers to be trapped after they become lost within the pocket dimension that is this Ikea. Um, it contains a rudimentary civilization formed by those customers who are forced to defend themselves against humanoids, humanoids designated as SCP-3008-2, which resemble IKEA employees and become aggressive during the night. Okay. I really like that one. I was just in an that IKEA. That one is very, very good. I felt similarly. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, I, it's like a click with uh, <laughs> Sandler, the Bed Bath and Beyond and My Beyond. God. What a pull. Yeah. Um, SCP-53 is just classified as a little girl that everyone wants to kill okay just everyone that comes across her um and then scp-173 is a humanoid statue composed of rebar uh concrete and kryolan spray paint it's stationary when directly observed but it attacks people and snaps their neck uh when the line of sight with it is broken 
It's very fast yes. to the point where it can move multiple meters while the observer is blinking. That one is the one which is has a video game based. It was the basis mm -hmm. of the SCP containment breach video game, I yeah. believe was the first one at least yeah and this one it was the first one and this one also um is kind of people cite the the weaving angels from doctor who as kind of yes uh i don't remember which came first because this is in 2007 so i don't remember if the weeping angels episode came out after but one of them inspired the other perhaps um okay but it started on the export of 4chan in 2007 with scp-173 being the first post um yep it I is. I just went to the SCP wiki and clicked random uh, SCP so that mm -hmm. I could join in on the fun, and I got uh, SCP eleven eighty. Okay, uh, identical in appearance to Cocos nucifera, which is a, a palm tree with coconut. It's a coconut tree. Okay, but the anomaly was discovered when a research team was dispatched to investigate local rumors of a quote possessed palm. Witnesses claimed that the plant would intentionally drop its sizable droops on the heads of unsuspecting passerby. Ah, huh. see, that's what I really like about SCP. They're not all monsters. It's not like yeah, we, like they're not all creatures or anything. Sometimes they're just weird phenomena and they're not all. Yeah, sometimes they're objects. Yeah, they're not all uh, outwardly threatening either. Right. There's a whole class of SCP that are classified as safe and 1180 is classified as safe because yeah. like, sure, it can bonk you on the head, but yeah. you're. The containment protocols just don't go near it. And if you do, wear a hard hat. Yeah. Um, so SCP, if you haven't guessed, has become huge now, having yes. spawned several books, video games, and even a play about the SCP Foundation's Ethics oh, Committee. Let's put that up. I know. I re Zoom I'm going to try and find it because that sounds awesome. Zoom reading on, on Patreon. <laughs> so there's a massive, massive, massive amount of lore about the different departments within SCP, all the different creatures, all the different phenomena. Way too much to go into right now. Hopefully we'll take another dive into it in the future. But check out the wiki if you're interested. You can literally spend hours on there just reading. Um, and the wiki takes open submissions and people can submit their yeah. creations and stories to become an SCP if it's well received enough. And this is kind of where the copyright thing comes into play. Right. So we're going to talk about <laughs> Creative Commons, which I know. Of course, um, we're, we're so qualified. <laughs> We're not lawyers, but we're going to talk about Creative Commons. So uh, the general idea for SCP is any content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the logo, is licensed under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0. And all concepts uh, originate from the wiki and its authors. So basically, when your creation becomes a part of the SCP Foundation, other folks can share it and adapt it as long as they link back to the SCP wiki and say, hey, this is where I got this from. Um, if they transform or build upon the original content, so that's making fan fiction, making fan art, etc., they have to distribute it under Creative Commons as well, but they can distribute and sell it. So right. if you're Creative just Commons allows for Yeah, Creative Commons allows for adaptation while still allowing monetization. Yeah. If you're you just are basically saying people can use this and sell it. Yeah. If you're just reposting the story. You have to uh, put the license at the bottom and link back. But if you're making like if you're making fan art and selling it in Redbubble or whatever, you can do that all you like as long as it is also under Creative Commons. That way it prevents somebody from right. going, oh, I would like to buy the rights to SCP-178 specifically so no one else can use them so I can make a movie. You can't do that. Right. Um, 
So it applies to everything on the wiki except the first SCP-173, the statue, um, because the image associated with it is a sculpture uh, called Untitled 2004 by uh, Izumi Kato. And he is uh, he's given the wiki and the wiki alone permission to use it. So That's people awesome. can talk yeah. about the SCP. They can um, uh, do the things with the is... story, the text. But yeah. you cannot use the image for any kind of commercial work. Um, yeah. So this is where we kind of get to talk about modern horror art and how the SCP has kind of changed that landscape. Right. With Siren Head, if you've heard of him. Yes. Um, so SCP has become so huge on the internet that it's fairly common for folks to see like a creepy or scary thing online and just casually label it as an SCP. In the same way you would just call something a cryptid. Like, right. it's just it is, part it of is. the language. It's become a generic, it's literally in copyright terms, it has become a generic term for any kind of creepy object, person, uh, creature. Yeah. Um, but then that kind of becomes problematic when the image starts to get shared and tagged. It's like, oh, like, look at this creepy thing I found or attached to some like fiction story about coming across this creature without giving any credit to the original artist, especially when the thing is not an SCP and therefore not protected in Creative Commons. Right. Or if you don't know that it's an SCP, so you haven't copyrighted your thing under Creative Commons or you're posting on a website, which under its terms of use, mm -hmm. like owns your content as yeah. not Creative Commons, uh, which is a whole nother a whole nother kettle of fish. Yeah. So uh, Siren Head is a creature created in 2018 by Canadian illustrator Trevor Henderson who is a really, really, really cool freelance horror artist that you should follow on Twitter at Slimy Swamp Ghost if you want to see more of yeah. his work, because it is... If Siren, you like Siren Head is Head. also my dad. It, the truth come out. Yeah, the, tr the truth do be coming out. Um, yeah, if you like Siren Head, you'll like the rest of his stuff. It's all great. So Siren Head is a 40-foot-tall, mummified, skeletal creature with two like siren speakers for his singular head or heads. Yeah. Um, pumping out music, snippets of conversation, angry yelling and white noise in order to attract prey that I think it then eats question mark. Hmm. Um, I love this funky little man. I, well, he's not little. He's very tall, but I really like him. I, I do too. There's also, uh, there's a, video game character in Bioshock Infinite mm -hmm. who looks a lot like Siren Head who's named a Boy of Silence. Ooh. Um, who I'm going to... Actually, my laptop isn't letting me send text, so I won't, but that's, that's what I thought. He's a, he's a guy... His head is a, is a metal case, and then he has two ears sticking out just like Siren Head, and he okay. is like... A, a, they're like the watchmen. They can see no sin evades his gaze is his thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like... But anyway. That, that, that kind of goes back to what we always say about horror is that all horror kind of comes from something else. Um, right. And that... All things come from something else. Yeah, no we, we, we base our new horror creations off of things we were already afraid of anyway. So, um, yeah. uh, a, a special effects artist named Alex Howard created a 10-second clip of Siren Head walking through a city which you yeah. may have seen if you're on TikTok or even if you're not, you've probably seen other places. Yeah, it showed and up on Twitter. He absolutely exploded because it is a amazing, amazing animation. 
Yeah, and the the parodies of it where he's doing like Fortnite dances are also very also, good. I do really enjoy the one where he's like doing Gangnam Style. Yeah, for some reason, the impressiveness of just doing the creepy one, somehow that's more impressive than when somebody does a Gangnam Style thing. But that was also, it must have been really yeah, hard. Yeah, it must have taken a long time. I'm not on TikTok, but I'm consistently marveled by truly how much time people must spend oh yeah making their tiktok insane i am on tiktok and you can follow me at devin lw with an i uh i'm currently locked out of my account tiktok Uh still hasn't gotten back to me uh but once i'm back was it because you reposted unauthorized siren head tiktoks it was yeah (laughs) yep um so folks really naturally started labeling siren head as an scp as soon as they saw him um, and an entry about Siren Head even got submitted to the wiki, but by not by not Alex by Henderson. Henderson. And it was removed after Henderson very clearly stated that Siren Head is not an SCP. Not that he's like, oh, no, no SCP. Like, it's nothing against the SCP. Right. He would just rather Siren Head remain its own thing, which I think makes total complete sense. Like you have that makes total sense. Yeah. And, it, and it comes back to a kind of uh, there is a fundamental uh distance between uh traditional uh artists and creators and this kind of internet culture of uh transformation and remix and so for a lot of traditional creators even myself included it makes so much sense from a business standpoint and from a career standpoint to not engage with a system like scp when you are ultimately an artist who wants to you know pay rent and if Siren Head is the thing that went viral and got your your uh, your art to be viewed by this many eyes, of course you don't want it to fall under Creative Commons. That would yeah. suck. Yeah. Um, but despite this, YouTubers and other creators began making animations and videos about Siren Head as an SCP without crediting Trevor. Um, and somebody made a full ass Siren Head video game without crediting <sighs> him at all. And then people began to monetize this content and make fun of this creation that is full on not theirs without giving any credit to the original creator. And Trevor has faced backlash, especially on Twitter, with folks saying that uh, since Siren Head has achieved this urban legend status, he doesn't, quote, really belong to him anymore and should be able to be used by anyone however they want. And these creations are just helping him make the character more popular, which I think is kind of baloney. Like Trevor literally owns this copyright and you can't yeah. make the money off of something that you don't own. Yeah, it's not it's not baloney, Adam. It is bullshit. <laughs> when people are talking about something being an urban legend, we are talking about stuff like uh, like Peter Pan or Dracula, where something has been around for so many decades or even centuries that there is no way you can place a copyright on it and anybody should be able to make money off of an original idea involving that thing just because you are a random uh tiktoker who is really good at roblox animations and wanted to use siren head for one of your cool tiktoks you don't get to i'm sorry somebody came up with the idea of siren head it wasn't you and they copyrighted it too yeah, bad you, yeah, Roblox like, make all the make all the fan art and make all the the cool animations and whatever but you can't monetize it and you must credit him yeah the same people who lash out at people for not crediting artists or get repost or twitters 
taken down turn around and say actually that's an urban legend and i can make whatever art i want of it no you can't like you can't have i, it both I ways. love i love the idea of like horror fiction on the internet being a collaborative thing and being shared and people being able to add on lore but when a creator is like hey i would like to control the this cool thing that i made that's only two years old they should right. be able to do that collaborative storytelling is amazing and and a great evolution of storytelling on the internet Part of having a system and an environment that allows that is also allowing people to opt out of it. Yeah. There, it, need, it needs to be. Yeah. And unfortunately, with modern social media discourse, this ends up happening to a lot of independent horror creators. Like, you wouldn't know it, but Slenderman is not public domain, nor has he ever once been. Right. Um, one of I think the biggest examples of of collaborative uh, horror storytelling because he kind of appeared on the internet, um, and I, I think part of this also happens because often when we post when creators make things that are intended to be creepypastas or intended to be like based on a true story or something, they'll very often not say like, "Hey, this was written by like whoever," because they want to leave that air of mystery around it. Right. But then also people then go like oh like free free game for me to take um yeah as of 2016 the rights to slenderman are held by mythology entertainment uh and they were previously held by the creator eric knudsen um and then things like indie films and games have been blocked from distribution because of their improper use of this character um so right and there there's a you know there there is a lot of nuance here like i I, I wouldn't support a large personally, I wouldn't support a large corporation halting uh, passion projects like indie mm -hmm. films and games um, from being distributed because of what they see as an improper use of a character. You know, that's something we can fundamentally disagree with. Mm -hmm. But when we are talking about uh, uh, creators who truly care about their creation and care about the uh, way it's being used, uh, that has to be involved in the conversation. It can't just be anybody with a copyright is automatically uh evil and and should allow every single thing they make to be remixed and remade by whoever the hell wants to remix or remake it and as you said a lot of the problem comes from horror culture especially on the internet attempts to maintain this uh the scariness or the creepiness is more important than the value as a piece of art if that makes sense yeah like so, i get it because i um one of my biggest things when we we talked about local 58 way back when we talked about um the uh the the youtube horror um yeah. those videos are so frightening but as soon as those videos end you see the credits you see and that was by, that yeah. was something i mentioned as loving like yeah. i love that about it you see written by chris straub and I, I i get how for some people that can kind of break the illusion for them you know it's one thing to come across this video on youtube that's like allegedly ripped from a local tv station but when you see the credits you go oh this i forgot this was like written by a person um but then right. therefore he's kind of like keeping his 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 the credit right. where credit is due and also it 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 comes off as almost a fundamental misunderstanding of what certain uh, really all kinds of art are supposed to be, which uh, there, there is an element that it is. It can be escapism for some people and you want to be fully immersed, but nothing about art that people consume wants you to be immersed for the rest of your life. When you read Frankenstein, it says Mary Shelley on the front. You know somebody wrote this. 
even if you're halfway through the book and you're like, man, Frankenstein can be real. A part of your brain needs to understand that he is not, which is I know is tragic for everybody. It's very, very <laughs> sad. We can we can mourn together, but that needs to be a part of of other kinds of horror. And if your if your scare, like your personal discomfort or or creeped outness comes only from the possibility of a horror story being true, maybe you should take some time to think about what why you find things scary and what kind of enjoyment you're getting out of consuming this kind of art. Because if you seeing the credit of an artist really turns you off, I don't want you consuming my art. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel and, like art immersiveness can only go so far. Like even with Blair Witch Project, which we were all supposed to believe is a true story. Eventually right. they were like, okay, the jig is up. Yeah. And also, even if somebody goes into that movie thinking that it's a real thing, you're sitting in a movie theater and at the end there are credits. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like at, uh, again, it's almost a, there's a fetishization and it's not just the internet horror community. It happens right. everywhere, everywhere. And especially in film, this idea of, uh, uh, the illusion and of uh i always forget the phrase adam the it, fourth wall no sure the fourth wall the uh there's there's almost there's a fetishization of a uh, believability and immersion uh, the suspension of disbelief um, suspension of disbelief is exactly the word and it it simply cannot be the end-all be-all of these pieces of art and it does a disservice to the art maker because you're somehow you are so imp like obviously you love this piece of art so much that you are fully immersed in it but then when you're told who had the skill to make you that immersed you're like screw you dude <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense and yeah. when when we talk about you know going to to acting school a lot of uh acting technique is about how you tear down your walls and and allow yourself to put yourself in these imaginary circumstances and get to a real emotionally raw place and the failure of a lot of acting technique is that it fails to tell you how to put those walls back up. It's a it's a very it's a dangerous part of acting technique that I think a lot of us uh, want to work to change in the future. That kind of mentality. The, the reason why it's, it's problematic is because in the rest of media for everybody except for actors. Those things exist. Mm -hmm. There's a way to put the walls back up as a consumer, as a writer, as a filmmaker, because of course you can you have credits, you have uh, <laughs> an annoying meeting in a boardroom where you have to go over a script. But for actors, a lot of the time that's not there. We, especially us two specifically as actors, can't like <laughs> advocate, can't not advocate for crediting artists. It serves as a way to protect not only the artist's work uh, from a business and a career standpoint, but also serves to like protect audiences from uh, believing content to be true when it's not, uh, even if they would enjoy it more if it was. Yeah. And it's totally easy, I think, to forget about these things. This is not to say like, oh, like you're an idiot if you like don't look at the original creator when you come across a scary thing on the Internet. Of course that you're going to see, especially if it's something that's made to look like an actual photograph or something. Of course, you're going to forget right. about. And that's like, the fault of the maker sometimes. Right. And that's the fault of the maker sometimes that they try to. Uh, they don't credit themselves in the original because they want to make it more creepy 
mm-hmm. which obviously that's not the fault of an audience member consuming it. It's also not their fault when they see a piece of reposted art and they're like, oh, this is cool. And they share it. Yeah. Um, I think my point would more largely be like, if you're going to repost a piece of art and you didn't see a credit, reverse Google image yeah, search, reverse it, or, search it or, and see who made it. Because also chances are, if you like that thing, they have other they stuff have that other you're going to love. And if you're the kind of person to do that, you will be a lot of people's, a lot of artists, like favorite person, yeah. like to just randomly tweet out, hey, I found this cool thing. And I found who the 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 creator is like, that's yeah. so that's a great thing to do. And also many of these artists have stuff like Patreons or official merch yes. that you can buy if they're not selling like that art or whatever. There are ways that you can support them. Like Trevor Henderson has Patreon and official merch. If you want if you want a siren head T-shirt, go buy one from Trevor. Right. And and I think that is uh, I, I really appreciate the work that SCP Foundation does. It's a mm-hmm. very aspirational form of collaborative storytelling uh but it is in some ways overly idealist in this idea that these creations i wish we lived in a world where these creations could just exist and people could remix them and do whatever the hell they wanted with them but a lot of us live in the world of art is the way we make a living Mm -hmm. and uh to dishonor that uh it, it it's a weird like if you love a character like Siren Head, you shouldn't find it offensive if he's like, hey, I would like people to pay me for it because I have to eat food. Yeah. Like, it sucks that we live in that world, but that is the world we live in. Yeah. Uh, so support support artists that you like. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, uh, I just did another random SCP. Let's see. Uh, SCP-1713. Alar- it's safe which is good. Oh, that's good. Uh, a friend. It's a, it's a large underground factory complex constructed primarily of brick, steel, and glass. The factory is dedicated to the construction of 18th century goods. And inside, there's a variety of machines that are clockwork based. And they make up a part of a large construction line. This is This fun. assembly of the industrial machines reveal complex assemblies, gear trains, unseen types of transmission, and steel timing chains. I'm so wow. there's just so much going on here. You yeah. everybody should read this one. I there are automatons. Oh, nice. Oh I my gosh. Automatons. Oh, this is cool. I'm not gonna read yeah. this whole thing. It's very long. But hey, if you want to make you know, something based on an SCP or creepypasta, check and see if it's protected under Creative Commons. And if it is, go nuts. Yeah, go do it and then like tell the creator about it and say, hey, I made yeah, this look, thing based on your thing that yeah. you released. Like, if, that is what this... If I made an SCP and got in there and then somebody sent me like, hey, look at this, like, this, I don't know, little plushie I made of your SCP, I would flip my noggin. Like, that's so exciting. Right. People who are buying into this ecosystem are doing it for a reason, and it's because they are able to. And mm-hmm. that is a great thing to be able to do. So you can support that as well. And it is super exciting oh, uh, yeah. to do that. Uh, and then you get to be a creator, too. And, and then just so cool. totally check out the SCP wiki for hours of 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 creative inspiration and just really really cool reading and really cool horror stuff that uh hopefully in the future we'll be able to do another episode on and take like a deep dive into the foundation and the fiction and the lore yeah and check out uh trevor henderson as we said the creator of siren head uh who yeah. again is at at slimy swamp ghost he's got really cool stuff like on there you would think um 
yeah, I think that's going to do it for us, Adam. Yeah, me too. This has been episode 25. We're a quarter of a century old. Wow. Quarter centennial. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you can leave a rate or review on whatever service, especially on iTunes. Those really help us out. We are mainly distributed on Spotify at this point, so be sure to follow there and be sure to share this episode or any episode you enjoy on your various social media sites. But the best way to spread the word is by telling a friend who likes to get spooked or likes to laugh or likes to do both at the same time. Adam, can you pimp our social medias? Yes, we are on Twitter at Great Scream Pod and we are on Facebook at The Great American Scream. Uh, if there's something that you would like to hear about on the show or if you want to send us your favorite SCPs or your favorite indie horror artists, you can tweet at us or post using the hashtag TGAS. Please send them our way. Uh, we would love to see that. Yeah. And also, a uh, special thank goes out to you. Uh, also, a special thank you goes out to Michael Segudo, who does the intro for this podcast, and to Stevie Viola, who does the music. Uh, today should be August the 11th. So that means last Friday. Uh, an episode of the Queer Thespirience came out, and Adam O'Connell, our very own, is on that podcast. So go listen to yeah. it. Yeah, if subscribe. you like the stuff about uh, queer, uh, LGBT pride and horror, we talk about that, and we talk about some other cool queer stuff. Yeah, so be sure to check them out. Other than that, I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell, and hopefully you have been spooked. Hopefully you've been spooked properly under Creative Commons. Hopefully you've been scooped up by Siren Head. And whisked away. In his gentle, safe arms. His sweet, sweet arms. Mm -hmm.